At a time when everyone's talking about showing up as yourself and being authentic, how do you learn to accept yourself so you can do exactly that? Hi, welcome to another episode of Business Mindset Mastery. My name's Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and performance coach for business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs. You can always find me over at choosetohaveitall.com. And today's episode is another quotable to coachable, all about accepting yourself and recognizing your strengths and your weaknesses and accepting too where there's room to grow. I think in a time of personal development, sometimes there's always a focus on being better, um, you know, daring even more greatly, um, going even further, constantly pushing ourselves to be our best selves. And I think sometimes the messaging around be better, be greater, be more, go bigger, I think sometimes that creates confusion for us as we move through the world because it tells us a story sort of in the subtext of that conversation that who we are right now as we are right now, somehow it isn't enough that we always have to want more and we always have to be more. Um, last week, I put out an episode um, calling out to listeners saying, hey, if you have a quotable and you want me to turn it into a coachable, send it my way. And I got a collection that had a really sort of significant commonality. There was a common theme to the discussion that people wanted me to have on the show. So some of you did send me quotables that didn't meet the um, theme that sort of emerged. And I'm definitely holding on to them for another episode. But the quotes today came from discussions around self-acceptance, knowing who we are, how we move through the world, and how we can come to a place of believing that even though there's room to grow, we can accept ourselves as we are now for who we are now. I think sometimes that's such like a esoteric pie in the sky idea that people really have a hard time putting it into action and breaking it down. And it's my hope that in today's episode, we do exactly that. So that if you start putting these concepts into your daily mindset practice, that if you check in with yourself in a week, in two weeks, three weeks, three months, you will see that you've come a long way on that journey towards self-acceptance. So the first one <laughs> in all transparency here is a quote that I'm putting in for my own discussion. It comes from Kevin Hart. Um, I've been totally obsessed with his audiobook in recent months. Um, he just really understands, I think, what it means to know yourself and accept yourself and still want more. Um, there are so many nuggets in his book. Um, it's called I Can't Make This Up if you uh, want to find it on Amazon. Um, but this quote came out to me and I just have been thinking about it ever since. So I'm going to start today's show with it, tell you my thoughts and how do you put it into action and then I'll move on to the other quotes I've gotten in my inbox since I did that last episode. So here it goes. People may hate you for being different and not living by society's standards, but deep down, they wish they'd had the courage to do the same. And that's by Kevin Hart. So here's the thing. The reason why I pulled this quote out is that I just came back from a week away. Um, I had taken some vacation time and spent some time with family and friends back east. It was the first time I had sort of gone back east for any significant amount of time since I had moved across the country. And it's interesting because everybody sort of 
you know, starts asking me about my job and how work is going and what the business is doing and what I've been up to. And it's interesting that when I talk about what I do with a lot of confidence and a lot of enthusiasm, I'm not met with a lot of confidence or enthusiasm in return. It's often a little questioning, sometimes it's a little pessimistic, or sometimes it's just that they've got nothing and they they don't have anything to say. And I having owned my own business, having, you know, tried a couple of different ventures before, not being new to this rodeo, I kind of know that that's how people sometimes react. Um I think sometimes you know, the idea that I don't play it safe, that I go against the grain. Um, a lot of the silence and all honesty came when I said I have a di- daily podcast and people were kind of like, you talk every day. Um, and I, I speak with, you know, I spoke with such pride about it. And um, we just passed, by the way, uh, dear listeners, 200 episodes. It happened while I was away, so I didn't get to celebrate it. But thanks for being with me on the journey and for, um, you know, sticking with me past those first horrible episodes as I found my way. Um, Um, But yeah, when I was talking about my podcast and what I've been doing and how I'm growing this listenership, I was met with a lot of silence and a lot of sort of doubtful looks. Um, And and then somebody asked me directly, well, you know, how do you put yourself out there every day? How do you, you know, how do you do that? Why do you do that? And it really forced me to look at that. How do I do that and why? And because that's so much about self-acceptance, right? Is recognizing that we are a different breed. As individuals, we all move through the world differently and we're not gonna be everybody's cup of tea and not everybody's gonna like us. But if we wanna be our best selves and go after the things that we want the most, we have to put ourselves out there. And there's a lot of people in society who like to play it safe, who don't want to color outside the lines, who don't want to expose themselves to feedback, who don't want to be judged or have their private business out there. And what I've come to learn and come to accept, and I think Kevin Hart's sort of depiction of this really narrows in on it, is that people are scared. Um, that they look to what I'm doing and they may not get it. They may not understand it. And they may not, by the way, aspire to have a daily podcast. That's a kind of a unique goal, um, to have. And that's totally okay. But they probably do look at what I'm doing and wish they could do whatever their version of a daily podcast would be for themselves. And when they make the choice to not, and they see me going for it, it makes them look at themselves. And I think one of the things that when we're being judged, when we're not being understood, or we're being questioned, or we get the hairy eyeball or the side eye, I think we forget sometimes that that reaction has nothing to do with us. Our behavior, the way we move through the world, it almost becomes a mirror. So people aren't seeing what we're doing. They're seeing themselves and what they're not doing. And that reaction that they have towards us, that sort of deafening silence, if you will, or the judgment or the pessimism is so much more a way that they try to validate their own fears, their own insecurity, and their own tendency to play it safe. It really isn't about us. 
so that's, you know, some food for thought. I'm going to move on to the next one now. Um, I was super excited, by the way, um, to get this one in my inbox because it comes from Robert Downey Jr. Um, and <laughs> he's kind of my hall pass with my husband because him and Iron Man and a tux, well, anyway, I digress. So when Robert Downey Jr. quote shows up in my inbox, you know it's coming into my show. So here goes. Here's what he has to say. I stopped explaining myself when I realized people only understood from their level of perception. That kind of piggybacks really well on what I was just saying about the Kevin Hart thing. But one of the things that seeing this in my inbox at a time when I was already thinking about it kind of made me remember and realize is that I do that. I do explain myself. Like I, I say, like I find myself saying, well, you know, it's a daily podcast. And of course, I didn't know that I was going to do it every day. And I tell the whole story that I just wanted to start the show and I just decided to press play. And tech has never been my friend. And I thought to myself, if I just do it every single day, I'll learn it faster. And then the like sort of the learning curve will shorten and I won't be a newbie for as long and then it became a thing where I realized that if I really do believe mindset is a daily practice I should be doing a daily show that little like bit I just gave you I must have said that word for word at least three or four times in the (laughs) five days that I was away why why do I need to do that Um, I could have just said I like doing podcasting. It's becoming the number one lead generator in my business. Um, And so, yeah, I do it every day. I don't know why I added all the color. I don't know why I created the picture, filled in the lines and added the details because that's defending myself at some point in time. That's giving energy um, to the idea that this is something to question. And I think it's so important for us to pay attention to that, that people are going to be looking at us, judging us, having opinions about ourselves from their own level of perception. And if we're at a different level or we're on a completely different race course, they're not going to get us. And how often if we offer that explanation, does that even help them get us? Because who, you know, was I talking talking to that actually believes mindset is a daily practice. Nobody. You know, that's like poppycock for half the people that I talk to. So why was I wasting my time in explaining it and trying to puff it up and make it seem more valid? Probably so that it would be taken more seriously. And here's the thing. I know I take my show seriously. I know that I was gone for a week and I have a, you know, an inbox filled with questions of people wanting me to address things on the show. I know that my message is connecting. I don't need people who don't know what podcasts are or who are unfamiliar with business marketing strategies or lead generation ideas. I don't need to explain that to them. But we get in that habit. So, you know, how do we turn this quotable into a coachable? How do we in real time remind ourselves to stop talking to someone's different perception? I think when you catch yourself doing it, you stop talking. You stop doing it and you go, well, there's enough for now. Or, oh, I did it again. And you make a mental promise to yourself to not do that next time. To keep your explanations short and sweet 
or to not explain. I did. I do remember, like at the end of um, the trip, uh, when somebody was asking me about my Voxer plan. There's this walkie-talkie app that I use when I'm working one-on-one with clients, um, and usually it's used as like a support mechanism, so that if somebody meets with me one-on-one, then they can follow up with me on this real-time voice messaging app that I use. And I was saying how some people don't even want the one hours book. They just like me having me on call on demand. Um, and so they ask a question and I answered in real time. And I was explaining that um, <laughs> to a table of people who clearly didn't get it. And I just said, well, this isn't going to be your thing. So of course you don't get it. Um, you know, but it's my thing. And, you know, all that matters here is that I get it. And I said it so confidently, so matter of factly, and so like in a neutral way that it wasn't a conflict. It wasn't tension. It wasn't awkward. It was fine. And I think sometimes we we avoid that because we think we're starting a fight. We don't just say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to explain it. Or, you know, you're probably really not interested in this. Or we could talk about this for 20 minutes and you're still not going to get it because it's just not your thing. So instead of saying that, we just explain ourselves over and over and over again. But when we do that, we're committing ourselves to a story that there's something about us that we have to explain and defend. We contribute to our own story that gets in the way of self-acceptance. Self-acceptance starts when we're willing to stop defending ourselves. When it's just, this is who I am, this is what I think, this is what I'm doing, and you don't have to get it. I'm good with that. That is what that looks like in daily practice, recognizing that we don't owe anybody that explanation. Now, the next one comes from Oprah. (laughs) Oprah Winfrey, here goes. Self-esteem comes from being able to define the world in your own terms and refusing to abide by the judgment of others. This is a theme in self-acceptance, right? Is this idea that how often do we avoid self-acceptance? How often do we avoid liking ourselves because we're trying to protect ourselves from the judgment of others, from the opinions of others. It's like this, you know, in football, we call it the prevent defense, where they're not really trying to go after the, the game or the goal or the touchdown. They're just trying to prevent more scores on the other side. And when you don't go for broke and you don't go all in and you find yourself holding yourself back, you're living to someone else's standards of the way to move through the world. And as soon as you do that, you're not accepting yourself because you're not being being who you are. You're not being true to yourself. You're not being who you want to be. And you're certainly not, you know, as Oprah says, living your best life. You're not showing up for yourself. You're showing up for other people. And as soon as you're putting on that mask, as soon as you're getting on that stage and having that conversation in that way with people, there's no way you can like yourself and recognize you know, where you're at, how far you've come while still acknowledging that there's room for more. We only get this when we stop living our lives on other people's terms and recognizing that as soon as we're trying to live on our lives onto other people's terms, we're bound to fail because everybody has a different standard. Everybody has a different point of view. And if we keep chasing the tail, then we're never going to land. 
We're never going to be able to breathe, to sit still, and to move in a way that gets us closer to the life we want and the businesses we want to live and run. Uh, This next one comes from Henry Ford. Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. <laughs> I love this one. It comes up on my newsfeed all the time. It's like one of those like entrepreneurial regulars. But I think a lot of times people don't recognize what this means. And, you know, it's this idea that if you perceive a task and you say to yourself, oh, I can't do that, um, you don't even try. You just assume you can't. You don't figure it out. You don't try to problem solve. You look at a sort of a, a dream, a goal, something you're working on, and you look at who you are, what you do, and how you move through the world, and you go, I'm not capable of that. That's like someone else's turn. Um, and the reality is, is that when we have those stories, when we look at ourselves and our lives through that limited lens, we don't try to test the theory. We just assume we can't, so we don't try. And because we didn't try, we don't end up doing it. So, so much of it is doubting it. I don't care if you doubt what you can do. I don't care if you doubt your potential. I don't care if you think you're going to fall flat on your face. I just want you to try anyway and you know, prove yourself right. You might very well fall flat on your face, but is that going to be the end of the world? But if you don't try, you'll never know. And, you know, I I think I've actually shared this example on my show at some point in time. You poor people keep hearing my stories on repeat now. But um, when I was in high school, the most powerful way that I came to learn this lesson came from my stepmother. And to to be all honest, at the time of this uh, particular incident, she was not one of my favorite people. She's now one of my very, very best friends. But we did not have a good relationship growing up. And I was in this really um, challenging biology program. Um, I I think I just mentioned this on the show when somebody went off about being a teacher and I had to defend teachers everywhere. Um, But uh, I I had this really hard um, biology program. I didn't think I was going to be able to pass it. In fact, the teacher that I gave the example of in that episode last week um, had told me I wasn't going to be able to pass it. So I, you know, the test was going to cost some money. So I went home and I told my parents. I said, hey, listen, I know you guys are investing in this program for me. I know we're hoping to get college credit for it, but I know these tests are expensive. And I got to tell you, I talked to my teacher and she doesn't think I can pass the test. Um, I don't, I don't think I should do it. You know, I'll just, you know, we'll give up the college credit idea and you guys can save some money. And my stepmother said to me, she goes, well, she goes, do you think you can pass it? And I said, well, no, because my teacher, who's kind of known me for a couple of years, is telling me I can't. And she's like, well, then, you know, you take a test and you assume you're going to fail. But the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to be pleasantly surprised and you might just surprise yourself. Um, And I have taken that if she had a dollar for every time I've applied that lesson into my own life, my own business, she would be a very wealthy woman. Um, but I took her advice and I took the test and I passed by the skin of my teeth, um, by the very, very skin of my teeth. There was like a minimum score that you could get. And I got the minimum score, not one point over, not two points over the positive, you know, positively minimum score you can get, but I got it. And 
and I proved myself wrong. And that is what's so critical is I think people wait for confidence sometimes. They, you know, and I used to see this all the time in my therapy business where people would come in and they would talk about their low self-esteem and they would talk about not feeling confident and they thought that they could sit in my office and talk themselves into confidence. And the reality is, is we don't feel confident. We don't feel like we're capable until we go and do the thing we didn't think we could do or at the very least until we try to do the thing um, that we don't think we can do because that too changes our story. But we don't take credit and we don't take an account to how much our own predetermined beliefs about what we can do, what we can't do, what's right for us, what's wrong for us, contributes to our behavior until we stop caring about what we think and do it anyway. That's how we change what we're capable of. And that's what Henry Ford's talking about when he says, when, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. The next one um, I hadn't heard before, and I really like it. It's from John Maxwell, and it's called The Pessimist Complains About the Wind, The Optimist Expects It to Change, and The Leader Adjusts the Sails. I was trying to think a little bit how to link this to self-acceptance because I liked it so much, but I recognize that it doesn't really fit. But I think it ties into what I was just saying with Henry Ford. It's this idea that, you know, so much of self-acceptance, it comes down to protecting ourselves from vulnerability. Um, I think a lot of times people don't accept themselves because if they say nothing can change, if they say this is just the way they are, or they constantly have a story that they're not good enough, that they're not worthy, that they recognize that they have all these kinds of things to to, to sort of work on um, and to to work towards and to you know sort of journal about or do self exploration about, they don't have to sit in that. Feeling feeling of failure, of doing their best and their best not working, of um, showing up and being rejected. And when we talk and use the words of pessimist, optimist, and leader, that's really what it comes down to. Pessimists are, you know, people who constantly protect themselves from the vulnerability of failure. It's about complaining about the wind, saying, oh, I'm never going to get where I'm going to get. The wind is too strong. It's too rough. I shouldn't have come out today. I shouldn't have tried. It wasn't worth the effort. Um, I'm just going to, you know, cash in my chips. The optimist, um, you know, sort of, and I, <laughs> I call these people like the people who love to just live in the personal development world of, possi- of positive, of, excuse me, let me start that one over, who live in the world of positivity. They're really protecting themselves from the vulnerability of pain. They constantly look at the sunny side of the street. They constantly look that things are going to be better and that maybe, you know, um, tomorrow will be a better day. But they don't sit in the hard. They try to skip the hard. And we don't become ourselves. We don't sort of come to know ourselves. We don't come to experience ourselves or figure out who we are by skipping the hard parts. And if we're constantly putting on that mask of optimism, if we're constantly trying to just be Mr. or Mrs. Positivity, then we're never really being real. And how can we 
like who we are, respect who we are, see the scars and the healing and all of the, you know, messiness in between and just say good enough. If we're constantly putting on a mask of it's fine, everything's fine, it's going to be better tomorrow. The leader adjusts the sales. Well, so does the person who's self-accepting. So does the person who says, hey, I know my limits. I'm capable of this. I'm capable of that. But that, not so much. Recognizing and owning that it's a process, that we are going to shift and move through time. And sometimes we're going to be our best selves. Sometimes we're going to be grappling with hard and easy in the same breath, with pain and love in the same moment. But we're constantly doing the work. The person who's working on self-acceptance, the leader, and again, I know, I know in all transparency, I'm stretching this quote to make it fit the self-acceptance theme just because I wanted it in today's episode. But when we're looking at that, it's the people who are, you know, sort of accepting themselves continue to do the work. I think it's this idea of recognizing that self-acceptance doesn't mean we're done. Self-acceptance doesn't mean we've gone as far as we can. Self-acceptance simply means we know what we're capable of. We accept that we're limited and given those two things, we're going to adjust the sales. So John Maxwell, I just totally butchered your quote, but hopefully my listeners on the show will forgive me <laughs> and appreciate the intent behind what I was saying. Um, and the last one, we can't talk about self-acceptance without a quote from Maya Angelou. Now, can we? She says something here and the, um, the, the listener who wrote, sent in this quote, added a comment. So I'll start with the quote and then I'll read the comment. So the quote is, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. And that's Maya Angelou for you. And then the listener says, I understand the sentiment of this, but I struggle to put it into action. How to feel self-compassionate when I feel like my best isn't good enough. How to know when I should push for better. So here's the thing. So much of this quote, like there's two parts to it. So let me just break down the quote and then I'll answer your question. So doing the best you can until you know better. And then when you know better, do better. That is recognizing that we have to learn our lessons some way, that we don't know what we don't know. So we have to recognize and accept that that's true, that sometimes we are going to, without any intention on our part, without any sort of malice or um, negative energy or anything, we're going to muck it all up. We're going to be really well-intentioned. We're going to do our best and it's just going to kind of fall flat. But then if we're really working on being better and doing better, we're going to look at why. And we're going to look at how we contributed to it. And we're going to look at the lessons we can pull from it. And we're going to recognize that next time, we should do something different if that opportunity sort of crosses our path again. If something like that comes our way, we're going to do better. And it's applying the lessons into new action when the same experience 
you know, comes across our desk. And one of the things that kind of to make this really concrete, one of the ways that I learned this, um, when I was just showing up in the online space, I was talking a lot about choosing happiness. Um, that's, you know, the basis of my business name, um, choose to have it all.com came, you know, based on the idea that like, we can't control what happens to us. We can only control what we do with it. So we have to choose happiness. Um, and when I started doing this, a lot of people criticized me. A lot of people mocked me. A lot of people um, sort of just made fun of the notion and, and sort of thought it was, you know, a little too, um, I don't know, probably Pollyanna, if you will. Um, and I got so defensive and I got so entitled. Then I got on my, you know, soapbox and I just told all those people all the ways they were wrong. But all I was doing was giving negative energy to something that I really cared about. And I was engaging in these online conflicts that like, why? I was a total waste of time, total, total, complete waste of time. But I was engaging just to to prove myself right, I think. Um, and then it was about ego, I think. And for me, one of my weaknesses, one of my sort of, uh, you know, uh, shadows, if you will, for lack of a better term, is the fact that sometimes my ego can get in the way. I have often learned that the hard way. So if we're looking at what Maya Angelou is saying, she's saying, do the best you can with what you know, and then once you know better, do better. So over time, I've learned that my ego can be my nemesis, that it can get in the way. I now, because I know that, and it's just not an errant mistake, and it's not some sort of intention that I like, you know, I was completely unaware of, I have a responsibility to show up in my work and to show up in my relationships in such a way that doesn't alienate people that keeps the focus on them, keeps the focus off of me, and that I don't need to puff myself up because I'm already good enough. So much of that struggle, so much of the, um, you know, like hesitancy, I think, to do better or to be better or to learn is that if we, if we go again, if we rise again, we're going to fall again. So it's so easy to stay in a place of ignorance. It's so easy to stay in a place of not knowing and a lack of acceptance because then, you know, we're not risking anything and we're playing it safe. And recognizing and accepting, part of self-acceptance comes from accepting that we can't race the clock here. We can't learn things any faster than we learn them. That sometimes life simply does take experience and we have to go through it in real time and we can't learn the lessons at the most optimal time to learn them. But once we've learned them, they're like bells going off and we can't like, you know, we can't unring the bell. And we have a responsibility for knowing that once we know something, and once we've learned something, we have to do something differently. Staying in this place of not good enough, staying in this place of, you know, having made a mistake, it doesn't serve us. And it doesn't serve anybody else. It just 
doesn't work. I was thinking today about how I wanted to wrap up the show and uh, the theme of this and what I really, you know, along with the coachables, what I really want the listener to take away, what I want you to hear from me. And I think that, and I didn't know where to fit this into this conversation. So I'm putting it in the end. Forgive me if you're like, she should have said this at the beginning. But so much of self-acceptance starts with the choice to give yourself permission to accept yourself. We don't get that a lot. We're, you know, we're sort of told that, you know, we shouldn't brag, that we shouldn't be tooting our own horn, that we shouldn't acknowledge our successes, that, you know, it's so much easier to acknowledge failure. There's all of these really confusing societal messages around saying, yeah, I kind of like myself. Sure, I have some things to work on, but I'm good with myself. I think saying that out loud really makes people nervous. But here's the thing that people forget. You don't have to say it out loud. You just have to know it internally and then move through the world accordingly. But making the decision to self-accept making the decision to like yourself, to recognize that you are a work in progress, that we're never completely done, there's no such thing as perfect, etc., etc. But that all in all, you accept where you are in life, how you got there, and where you want to go next comes with vulnerability. Because as soon as you do that, someone's going to knock you down, or life's going to kick you in the teeth, or something bad's going to happen. And some people aren't going to be comfortable with that level of confidence. But that's not a reason not to do it. It's not a reason not to like yourself or to accept yourself or to respect yourself. You know, I'm a really emotional person. (laughs) Um, I feel everything, see everything. And sometimes that's really not convenient for me. But one of the ways I've given myself permission to accept this about myself and to like myself and to show up with confidence is I look at the alternative And I decide I wouldn't want to be any other way. But it starts with a choice that good is enough. Thanks so much for joining me today. This was such a fantastic conversation. I really do look forward to talking to you next time. Have a great day. Bye for now.